listening to the Lucas Ask You Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Ask You. Hello world, welcome to the Lucas Ask You Experience. Now, I don't know if you can feel it through the airwaves, but I am especially amped up today. Now, I don't know if it's all the working out I'm doing and subsequent protein shakes that I'm throwing back as I try to bulk up for my wedding, but there's something really getting me going today. Maybe it's the excitement I have for today's episode. I recently sat down with a real funny guy, and I would even say, I'd even go far as saying he's funnier than me. I don't give that distinction to too many people I meet on the street. However, he is a bona fide comedian. John Garrett is his name, and he will be joining me shortly. But before we get into that conversation, here's a message from today's beloved sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Vitamix, where spinach and kale got their big break from. Now, if you're like me, you're always on the go. Okay, maybe not every second, but certainly in the morning as I rush out the door to get to work. I've tried many different quick breakfast options from cereal to toasts to eggs to all of them together, but I couldn't find a combination that fit and kept me going until lunch. Then I borrowed a friend's Vitamix and the game officially changed. I was able to get my daily dosage of fruits and vegetables all in a few seconds thanks to the Vitamix S50. This machine is not like your father's blender of the past. This Vitamix product has pulse control, variable speed options, and enough power to make Tim the Toolman Taylor go, ho, 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 ho. And my favorite thing about the Vitamix is its versatility. Now, I don't just enjoy fruits and vegetables. I also have a little bit of a sweet tooth especially when it comes to milkshakes. The Vitamix creates the perfect milkshake consistency all within a matter of seconds. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is just another as-seen-on-TV type product and will become obsolete soon. Not so fast, my friend. The Vitamix constantly scores near the top in reliability reports and their warranty covers virtually any unforeseen malfunction. If there's one kitchen accessory you want to choose, make the right choice and choose Vitamix. Vitamix is available at many fine retailers, including Costco, Williams-Sonoma, and Target. Vitamix, blending more than just your daily dosage of B12. Welcome back to the Luke's Ask You Experience. Today on the podcast, I'm pleased to be joined by an accountant turned comedian turned conference speaker, turned the unofficial spokesperson for Granny Smith Apples, Mr. John Garrett. John, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me, Lucas. I'm so excited to be here with you. You are the beloved distinction of being the first guest in the show that's not my relative or not someone I've known for many years. So I hope this starts a pipeline for, for new talent coming onto the show. Hopefully we can set the bar pretty high. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll set the bar low, so everyone else after me will be way over it. So it'll be all good. And yeah, I just appreciated meeting you at that uh, conference a couple of months ago. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. We met in the buffet line of all places, I, I believe. Right. You were you were going the healthier fruit and eggs route where I was having 
waffles and pancakes that day. Right. I didn't settle in the stomach too well that day, but I'm glad I met on positive terms nonetheless. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I didn't know anybody there either. So it was, uh, you were very gracious to let me sit uh, by you and, and yeah, strike up a conversation. And now look, we're on the internet talking. It's crazy. Exactly. Exactly. So for those not aware, maybe just give a little brief synopsis to the LAE faithful, uh, as I like to call them. Yeah, well, you know, it's just your normal uh, accountant turned uh, comedian story. I mean, you know, they're a dime a dozen. Um, right, yeah. Well, I graduated from the University of Notre Dame and went to work at PricewaterhouseCoopers. I uh, passed the CPA exam, uh, got my license and all that stuff. Then I was hand-selected to move up to Milwaukee uh, from St. Louis um, to be on the largest financial services client that the firm had at the time, First Star Bank which then became U.S. Bank. Yeah, and, and while I was there, I started to do stand-up comedy at night uh, just for fun, you know, on Wednesdays, just go to the open mic and, uh, you know, just take my beating and then uh, come back home and then uh, go do it again. And, and the cool thing is, is there were three or four of us that would drive together to Madison, Wisconsin, or even in Milwaukee, there were a couple. And uh, we were we were okay. I mean, you know, you're, you're never good in the beginning. You're never good at anything in the beginning. But unfortunately with comedy, you're not good in front of the public because that's where you have to do it. But yeah, and then, and then eventually I started to get paid. And then eventually I started to take vacation to get paid. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I'm out and I'm going to see what happens. And that was uh, May of 2005. I've been doing it a long time now. And uh, yeah, and then, and then you know, comedy clubs and then people would see me and be like, hey, your act is all clean and you reference some corporate stuff. Not a lot, but some. So you should come do our Christmas parties or you should come do our training or whatever, which as a you know, comedian getting paid, you know, 50 cents a show or whatever it felt like, <laughs> you know, they, they're going to pay me $2 a show. It's like, what? It, this is, exactly. I'm loaded, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and so it was, uh, it was fun. And then about three years ago, got involved with the National Speakers Association. Uh, realizing that, you know, the corporate world uh, really needs somebody like me. And I have kind of a little bit of, of both where I have, I know what it's like to be in their shoes, but I also have, uh, you know, 12 years of stand-up comedy uh, under my belt full-time all over the country. Uh, actually, I counted it up over 1,900 shows I've done. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the 10,000 hour rule is far uh, past. So, uh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah. And so, so it's kind of marrying those together and uh, providing some real value to these conferences and things that, uh, that just really need anything um, but, you know, the, the boring. And, and yeah. And, and so, so, it, but it is really funny though, because in the comedy world, and I'm sure you hear it too, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of uh, frown upon corporate or, cruise ships or things of that nature it's a, you know it's good it's where comedians go to die or whatever exactly yeah, yeah and and after i started doing corporate i was like man i should have come over here in the beginning like this is this is amazing i mean not only they'll pay my travel they put me up in a nice hotel i mean sometimes like suites where i walk in i just start laughing i'm like i'm gonna get kicked. this is bigger than my apartment in brooklyn like this is insane and uh yeah and then you get you know a, a good check because they value you and uh, yeah, and it's it's really fun, and and people that are in the audience come up after, and you know, thank goodness you were here. You know, it's it's pretty rare you hear that at a at a comedy club, you know, because yeah, you're doing what you were supposed to do, you know, type of a mentality. So uh, so yeah, so that's kind of my my roundabout story, I guess. Nice, yeah. You think that just from a, a corporate versus comedy club setting, I think it's just when you go to a comedy club, you're expecting laughter and you're 
everyone's setting the bar so high and even if you hit it, okay, great. That's what he was supposed to do as opposed to I'm at a lot of these corporate presentations or, or corporate outings and when you have someone kind of bringing hilarity and bringing laughter into it, you, you remember that. So do you feel that that's kind of the, the biggest difference between the two settings? Yeah, I mean, it certainly is is that. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't expect uh, humor when they come to a work thing, uh, you know, let alone, I mean, humor is one thing, but then comedy, I mean, that's a whole, that's another step up, you know, from humor. Um, and so, you know, when it's somebody that's legit and it's like, oh, wow, it's not a, you know, a guy up there with some knock-knock jokes or, uh, you know, whatever, it's, uh, you know, this is real comedy. Um, and yeah, I think people appreciate it. And uh, the event planner looks like a rock star because like, you know, people are like, man, this was the best one ever. And uh, yeah, and it, and it feels good, you know, to, to help that person get recognition for, you know, going out on a limb a little bit to, uh, to bring something different in. But people enjoy that. I mean, you know, people don't want to sit there and, and hear boring facts coming at them, you know, bullet point after bullet point. You know, they want somebody that's real and organic and going to make them, you know, shake things up a little bit. Absolutely. I, I talk a lot to people about kind of humor and how, like, whether it be a comedian or, or just in general, how you're building your, your material. Um, so I'm interested to kind of hear from you as you're kind of tapping into your corporate background and also the 12 plus years kind of being on the road from a, a stand-up perspective. Where are you getting your, your inspiration for your stand-up material first, but then when you look at these corporate outings, sure. where are you kind of building that particular material from? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of it is just, you understand because you mm -hmm. have done stand-up, but we have a, a different lens that we're looking at the world through. Um, it's the same world that everyone else sees, but we have an, a different lens where uh, things that are not congruent or things that are odd or whatever just jump out at us that other people might just gloss over and things that are just absurd and ridiculous. And so, you know, it's just it's just being aware of, of those and, and seeing those and then just making a note of it. And then it's a matter of, you know, just doing some work. I'm a big fan of the writing pages from uh, The Artist's Way is a book that I read uh, several years ago. The author, I forget her name, but it's a very famous book. And she suggests this uh, exercise called The Writing Pages where every morning uh, you journal and you don't even have to journal anything important. It's just writing and writing because my left brain is so strong from, uh, you know, just logic and math and, and accounting, basically, that uh, that it subconsciously cuts out anything creative coming from my right brain. So I might have these really great ideas coming out, yeah. but my left brain just shoots them down before they even become uh, something that I consciously am aware of. And so by doing these writing pages, it makes my left brain very tired because it's critiquing, 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 but I'm throwing it garbage. And so... So what's really neat is in the writing pages, you can even see, I mean, sometimes I'll type it, sometimes I'll write them and, and, uh, and, you know, I'll look it over and I'll be like, yeah, this is garbage and throw it away. Or sometimes it's, Hey, uh, after about, you know, a page or two, there's some really, really creative, weird stuff going on here because you know, that stuff starts to just bubble up. But yeah, there's a difference between an amateur and a professional is the professional just shows up and works every day. Um, the, the amateur is waiting for inspiration. You know, and it's it's just you got to sit down and do it. And, uh, you know, st stuff comes out. 
you know, the more you do it, it's like a muscle, you know, the more you do it, the stronger it gets. It's like, a, you know, NBA players that can shoot three pointers with their eyes closed, you know, and you put you or me out there and it's going to take us about 10 to make, you know, two. Um, so, you know, now, now if yourself, John, it's my, it's my, oh, my bad, my bad. Like, you can nail three pointers with an eyes closed. Right, right. One handed left hand. No, that, that's, it's an interesting process. I did keep a journal beside my bedside table. I felt sometimes it was, it was great stuff that I was coming together. But I think a lot of the times it's now just even with my phone, wherever I am, I'm constantly looking and kind of thinking in my head of, okay, this is, this could make great material for a podcast or potentially something else. So it's always keeping the mind open for those situations. And yeah, I think sometimes it, it comes out great, but a lot of the times, at least from my perspective, I read it, read it back and say, no, that, that wasn't funny. I, I don't even know why I was laughing the first time I, I created it. Right, right, yeah. Or elephant pancakes. Like, what? What was I even thinking about? Like, what? Yeah, that, that's happened many times. And, yeah, or it's uh, and, and it's good that you recognize that sometimes it is funny as a stand-up bit, and sometimes it's not going to be. Sometimes it needs to be a video. Sometimes it needs to be, you know, a different form of media in order to convey what you're really trying to get across. Because a lot of times people will be like, oh, that'd be so funny, you should do that on stage. I'm like, no one's going to believe what just happened. Like, nobody. But don't let it eat you up, though. That's the problem is, you know, you, when you stop just living your life and you go about only looking, you know, that's when you'll go insane. It's the age-old question, you know, if you're not looking for romance, romance will find you. Same thing with great jokes. Right. No, that's exactly right. And it's a great outlet. You know, that's how it started for me. Uh, was just a hobby and something creative outside of my accounting world. You know, I accidentally got good at it or good enough for people to pay me anyway. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a cool ride. So my next question, we've talked a lot about jokes, kind of where you're getting your inspiration from. But if you were to boil it down, your all time favorite joke, what would that be? Um, oh, one of my jokes. One of your okay. jokes, yes. All right. I'll, I'll tell you this, and I, I don't know if it is my best one or my favorite one, but it is one that I did my very first open mic night, and I will continue to use it today um, wow. on occasion. And I did it on uh, the Bob and Tom show, which is a pretty big national radio show, and uh, Bob laughed for like two minutes straight. Um, the, the joke is I was on a, a flight and I was sitting in the exit row, and you're a tall guy as well, so you understand how important the exit row is. And I was sitting there, legs outstretched, everything was great. And right before the gate closed, this huge guy uh, came and sat right next to me in the middle seat. I had no idea that they make seatbelt extenders uh, for airplane seats, but the, the flight attendant noticed the situation, comes up, yells to the other flight attendant on the other end of the plane, get the elephant belt. I was like, really, elephant yeah. belt? I felt so bad for the guy, so I gave him my peanuts. And uh, there we go. See? Yeah. It's a circus joke. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's uh, one that I did the very first night on stage. Uh, got a laugh. And, uh, yeah. It's great, though, that the first joke, kind of your first open mic night, and you're still being able to use it today. I think that's really a testament to the just the strength of a joke. Sure, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm lazy, so I don't write topical. I don't write political. I don't, you know, I'm, I try to write evergreen jokes, you know, or, you know, because it's like, you know, I, I don't want, yeah, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody that does political stuff. And it's like, wow, that was three presidents ago. Nice. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah. So I just try to write more about me and about, you know, just everyday life, observational type of 
you know, humor. And that's also, I think, why my act is all clean is because I thought, well, if I'm ever going to get on TV or do national radio or, you know, the Lucas Askew Experience podcast, then, uh, you know, probably should keep it clean. And so it's like I just don't get used to because, I mean, so many people get used to saying a joke and you say a joke, you know, 300 times with an F-bomb. And then all of a sudden you're on Letterman and uh, and it's like, oh, I can't say it. And then you're going to say it because you've said it 300 times that way. Lie on that crutch and it messes up the timing. So you touched on a little bit of staying evergreen content and current, not strain into the political world. My one question, we won't go into right versus left. We're not going to have that debate on the Luke. Sure. No, I don't want to have um, it either. Like it's... I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to get your perspective, though, of do you feel just as we'll talk to your, about your podcast here in a little bit, but as someone who's a, a voice for people, do you feel any draw to speak about politics or take a current stance or you've kind of said this is my act this is who i am and i'm not going to touch that other elephant in the yeah room, so I, I elephant i see what you did there um no no i'm teasing yeah, yeah. we're br- bringing, I'm bringing it back uh, if only if only i could get elephant well yeah that was my bad that was i meant donkey pancakes perfect. i apologize I don't want to do that. I don't want to get anywhere near it because this is a funny story. I, I did an event once in Baltimore where um, O'Malley was still the governor of Maryland and he ran for president for a couple of weeks. And then Senator Cardin was the senator from the U.S. senator from that area. And uh, and so I was at a table with them and eating dinner next to Senator Cardin. And he says to me, you're not going to do any political jokes, are you? And I said, uh, no, because half the audience is going to get angry and the other half is going to have no clue what I'm talking about. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, uh, just trust me. Because emotions get involved and people don't, not everyone takes the time to actually get you know, educated on all the, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff going on with politics and with government. And so people know a lot about one thing or maybe a little bit of one thing, but then emotion takes over and then it's just crazy town. And so, you know, and, and, and it's such a, a, a charged thing that I don't want to even touch it because if, if you say something and someone d- disagrees with you politically, they won't laugh at the joke or any joke after that. Because now, not only are you not funny, but they hate you. And so, you know, they're going to, it's just going to be weird and it's just going to permeate. And it's just, and when you're up there on stage, the more you do it, the more you like, you have these tentacles in the room where you can sense anything happening at any time. And the energy is weird from this side or whatever. And, you know, that's just going to, that's just going to be weird. And, um, so yeah, so I don't, and so anyway, so I went up and, and did my thing and, um, the governor had to leave. And so uh, I'm up there doing my thing and uh, and I made a reference to uh, something and then I go, right, Senator? And some guy out of the crowd yells out, the Senator's not here. And I said, actually, sir, that was your governor. The Senator's sitting right there. <laughs> and and when I got done, I got off stage and I go, see, told you. I mean, like, dude's sitting right there and people don't even know who he is. And so, you know, you're just, you know, it's, uh, so yeah. So for me, I choose not to because I also look at it as, 
people came out to be entertained. And when I'm at a corporate event, they don't even have a choice to come out to be entertained. They have to be there. And so for me to try and uh, push my agenda on you or my thoughts on you, no, we're here to have fun and to laugh and to be removed from all that garbage that's going on outside of these walls. And I'm here to entertain you and to, you know, kind of take you away from that for a brief period of time. Um, you know, and then you go back outside and turn on your yep. TV or, or news you get radio. Inundated or, again with it. No, I, I think that's it, it, it's refreshing to hear. And I think even though even myself at a small level, it's so easy to want to at least either touch on it because everyone else is talking about it. But we are kind of in the, the world of entertainment we're here to kind of take you away from everyday life and provide some clarity, just provide a lighter side. Yeah, absolutely. And, and plus, you know, when you, when you go to these comedy shows and you know, if it's a showcase show, I mean, a lot of clubs, it'll be three people, but then the showcase shows will have 12 or, you know, 15 comedians. Well, you know, if you're in the audience after the fifth comedian doing political crap, exactly. like, Oh great. A sixth one. That's exactly what we need. You know, it's like if you come up there, you don't even mention it. You're just doing observational stuff and clean, funny, like just good natured, whatever. Then, you know, I think people will appreciate that and you'll stand out and you'll be like, hey, that's the, you know, remember the guy that didn't do anything political? He was really funny. Bringing it back to the fun, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about your your weekly podcast. So for those unaware, John hosts the Green Apple podcast where he highlights a business professional each week. And something about them that makes them stand out amongst their peers, kind of like a green apple in a red apple world. Did I get the the tagline correct? Exactly, there? man. Nice. Yeah. You nailed it. Yes. <laughs> it, it's now your podcast. I am done. Thank you. Like, Two questions. One one serious and one not. Where did the idea come from? Calling it Green Apple Podcast. Is this the serious question or the not? Um, you not you, you take it. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm teasing, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to work in a grocery store. And so uh, when I was in high school and uh, at an IGA, oh, wow. so a family run independent grocer association. Yeah. And, yes. Uh, so, familiar. Yeah. So when I work, when you, when people work in a grocery store, um, uh, they have a keen eye for things. And so um, like when things are put back in, a, in the wrong place, it, uh, it triggers a little uh, uh, synapse firing off in my brain that makes me want to snap. But uh, I hold back. I always just thought basically it's don't be the stereotype. When somebody says Apple, uh, the stereotype, everybody thinks red apple. Um, because when you're growing up and you're in kindergarten, A is for apple. It's always a picture of a red apple. And there's over 7,500 kinds of apples. But for some reason, we all think red apple. And it's always that gross red delicious apple, which if your name has delicious in it, you're clearly false advertising. I know. It, it's one of the worst. Like when I'm, if they're traveling for business and I see that kind of bowl of fruit in front of a, right. a hotel and it's just all red oh. delicious apples. You know, my, my stomach kind of yeah, yeah, it's a like, little bit. Because I right, I you're not even that. trying. You're not even trying. And so, so anyway, so yeah, and, and so, so then I was in a grocery here in Brooklyn and somebody had put a green apple back in a red apple and then that's when it all kind of clicked and I was like, holy crap. Like, because I'm not asking people to be, you know, uh, a kiwi or a grapefruit or something weird that no one really eats. You know, I mean, just be, be an apple. You can still be an accountant. You can still be a consultant. You can still be an engineer. You can still be a lawyer. Um, but uh, just be you. Um, and, and basically, it's just, you know, you, you, you have your work self and your professional self. And in between, the divider is uh, professionalism, I think. And the smaller the professionalism is, the, the closer your work self and, and real self are. 
And, and that's what people enjoy and appreciate, you know, that authenticity that you bring. And, uh, and so people remember you for your hobbies and your passions. Uh, I mean, everyone listening, think back to everyone you've ever worked with, the people that you remember, uh, you remember because you know their hobby or their passion, and that's what you remember about them. You don't remember the specific project they did, unless they like, you know, worked on Enron and, and, you know, blew it all up. But, you know, but I mean, that's an extreme case, obviously. But, but for the most part, you know, I just remember this lady likes to ride bicycles a hundred miles or this guy loves the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the people that I don't remember at all is because they never shared what that hobby or passion was, you know, and and it doesn't even have to be something that I do. And it all came about because I had a, I I was uh, invited back to a town hall meeting for PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, 12 years after I had left the office. Oh, wow. Yeah, 12 years later. And they invited me back and uh, they had a list of speakers and a partner who I had never worked with. So a guy pretty high up uh, and I had never worked with him. I had no clue who he was. He saw the list and he's like, hey, I know John Garrett. He's the guy who did comedy at night. Wow. And uh, yeah. And uh, I was just amazed that one, he remembered me 12 years later and two, for nothing work related. Thank you very much. You know, where you're just like, are you kidding, man? All this stuff on my resume that I've built up, nothing. You know, that that's when it hit me. Like, hey, that's a thing. Like, that's like legit. And then so I started to research on it and like oxytocin and uh, norepinephrine in your brain. And so there's like science behind it. It's been a cool thing just to try and shatter that stereotype of, uh, you know, professionals, basically, where everybody thinks you work and then go home and do more work, you know? Mm-hmm. What I find is building relationships with people that I work with now, it is those hobbies and passions outside of work that kind of bring you closer to them and help you understand a little bit more about them because you understand they're more than just a robot working nine to five and putting X amount of widgets out. They're, they're human beings too, and they have passions too. So I I love, I love the concept and I love that you are bringing science behind it too, which is always, always great to see. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. And, and I mean, and imagine if you run into somebody else at Intuit that also does stand up, like, holy cow, like your best friends on accident right there. Exactly. I mean, it's just, you know, and uh, for no reason, um, you know, and, and even if there isn't something, a lot of people are like, oh, well, no one cares about my hobby or no one else has, you know, the same passion that I do. Well, so what? I mean, like, how do you know if you don't share it? I mean, you know, you're all, maybe there's seven of you that all sit right in a row that all do the same thing, but you're all like, no, no one wants to, no one does stained glass. So I'm not going to tell anybody I do stained glass. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, you know what? They're, they're all right there. Next thing you know, you have a stained glass club. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, somebody on my podcast, MB Raimondi, she does stained glass and, uh, and she actually does the books for the stained glass place now. Uh, so it, it's actually career, it's revenue generating hobby, Wow, um, that's, which that's is you know, next pair. level stuff. Yes. Yeah. So my, that was my serious question. My not serious question. I joked about it at the top of the show. How many cases of granny Smith apples, uh, <laughs> either do you get sent a year or do you consume? That's funny. Uh, uh, I, zero, but I will say this, not two weeks ago. Honey Crisp followed me on Twitter and I about lost my mind. Like, oh, I mean, man. it was like when a celebrity follows you on Twitter, that would be hilarious. If just boxes of apples just start showing up. <laughs> well, you know, you, you might get a, a party favor one, one day from yours truly. And it'll be just a case of apples. So. I'll work with my wife to uh, make a pie and then uh, take a picture and send it to you. And then I'll eat the pie.
We'll be right back to the rest of the episode, but this is a friendly call to the one and only Joseph A. Bank. Men everywhere looking for that perfect suit and shirt combo are in dire straits, and we need you back. Deep discounting isn't the same without you taking part. Hope to see you again soon, pal. Signed, your friend, the fashionable yet affordable looking man. Welcome back to the Luke Sasky Experience. It's the rapid fire round. I've tried this segment out a little bit with a couple other guests, but I'm leaning fully into it this time, John. I'm going to throw a slew of questions out at you, answer whatever comes to your mind, good, bad, and different. Okay. So you ready to go? Yeah, I got my seatbelt on. Let's do this. Awesome. Hopefully not your uh, your elephant belt. All right. Hello. I see what you did there. <laughs> Basically, this podcast is just all about elephants throughout the, the entire right, right. I'm so. starting to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> so first question, when you were RSVP into a wedding, are you having the chicken or the fish? Uh, chicken. I know you're a big Notre Dame football fan. Huge um, Notre Dame football. Over or under seven and a half wins? Over, season. for sure, over. Really? I've seen the behind the scenes. They're solid. Okay. Yeah, they're going to score a lot of points. They brought in a bunch of new coaches, and they're going to be fun to watch. Will, will they be able to stop anyone? That, Will they be able to stop anyone? Yeah. That, that is a that, good question. That's, a question. that's an excellent question. Hopefully so. New defensive coordinator. That should help out. Okay. You know, we'll see. As so, long as we beat USC, that's all that matters, really. Exactly. Right? So uh, we'll, we'll check back after the season to see if that uh, prediction came true. So, all right. Uh, all right. Okay. Case of apples. Exactly. That's, that's, that's on yeah, the line. That, that's, that's the bet. <laughs> so I read you opened for the comedian Louis Anderson. Yeah, several times. Yeah. The, the former host of Family Feud, among other things. How many episodes of Family Feud did he make you watch before a show? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, I did have to say Survey Says a lot. Okay. Other than that, uh, zero. <laughs> nice. Leads into the next question. If you could be on any show, it can be The Feud or something else. Game show or reality show, which would it be and why? Yeah, I mean, as much as I hate reality shows because it killed sitcoms, definitely Amazing Race. Uh, that show's awesome. Actually, uh, another comedian and I, Dan Davidson, uh, we sent in a tape for it. Oh, gosh, wow. Probably like uh, eight or nine years ago now. It was pretty funny, but clearly they didn't pick us. But uh, yeah, I mean, just two comedians out there in the world. I think it'd be pretty entertaining to watch. And uh, super fun to travel. I think it would be. Unfortunately, I feel a lot of the times with reality shows, they're they're not picking the the funny people per se. They they like a little bit more drama and kind of tears yeah. and waterworks. So a little more dysfunctional people yes. than uh, real people. Yeah, yeah. Favorite city in the U.S. to visit? There's a lot of fun cities. I guess my favorite city to do stand up in was Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, that was my favorite uh, to do stand up. Favorite city worldwide. Uh, hands down, Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, wow. Coolest city I've ever been to. Just in terms of landscape, in terms of kind of things to do? Everything. It was held with apartheid for so long from the Dutch. And so uh, there's a lot of Dutch influence there and in infrastructure, but it's still raw Africa feel as well. Uh, there's wine country just outside of Cape Town, uh, very similar to a San Francisco feel with Sonoma and Napa. Oh, wow. It's like that Europe but not the Europe that hates America, Europe, and then, uh, you know, and then raw Africa combined. And a uh, really cool town, really cool city. Nice. I'll have to put it up on the old bucket list then. For sure. It's quite quite the haul from San Francisco, but worth it. Lead singer or drummer, which would you rather be? Uh, bass guitar. That's even behind the drummer, I think. So okay. it's <laughs> even more, more in the shadows. <laughs> 
Still music-themed question here. Radiohead or The Grateful Dead? Uh, Radiohead. Good answer. I didn't even know The Grateful Dead was a band until a couple years ago. So, <laughs> so I was like, ah, I don't know if I would go there. Your favorite holiday in the calendar year? Favorite holiday? Uh, I'm going to say tax day because it's also my birthday. Oh, wow. So is that, is that like way too greedy on me? No. I should have to pay no taxes uh, if you ask me, but... Apparently, I'm not in charge. So. That should be like one of those obscure tax code rules. Totally, man. For April 15th, if you're if you're there, you should uh, get a little bit of a break. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, right. The biggest venue you've ever performed in. The biggest venue I ever performed in was I opened for the band Train in front of about 3,000 people. Wow. Train. Um, a great yeah. uh, San Francisco Bay Area band right there. They're solid. Really nice dudes. And yeah, that that's weird. Uh, 3,000 people. Because... When you tell the joke, by the time it gets to that last person, they laugh, and then the laugh comes back to you. You have started the next joke. Um, and so it's it's a little surreal, uh, not going to lie to you, <laughs> um, but but really cool experience. So on the flip side, the smallest venue that you've ever performed in? Just three weeks ago, I did a corporate event for a large pharmaceutical company, and they decided to, because uh, they were different stages of things, and they wanted me to convey humor at work. And uh, so it was a 10 by 10 square booth of uh, curtained off pipe and drape. Wow. Uh, 10, 10 feet by 10 feet. And uh, people would just come by. I did uh, seven shows for 30 people, I think. Uh, they were all like five to seven minute uh, type things. But uh, yeah, that was pretty weird. That I can, uh, I, can, I can imagine. But kind of fun, actually, because it's like, well, here we go. I mean, like, we're in it now. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, um, there's, there's no but, escaping. Yeah. So that, that was easily the smallest. Last one. I like to end all of my guest segments uh, with the same question. Actually, no, that's that's wrong. This is the second last question. I completely, okay. I, I missed my own cue cards. Um, <laughs> if, uh, do, we, do we even yeah, do this podcast, yeah, Lucas? Exactly. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, the teleprompter, you know, it just uh, gave me the wrong thing. Uh, I see what's going on. Did PwC hand you these questions? Exactly. Um, oh. Too soon. Too soon. So what's the second to last question? Second, second last one. If you could be anyone else for a day, who would that be? Oh, anyone else. You don't, you don't even need to give me a reason. I just want to uh, who would that be. Yeah, wow. Okay, so besides you. Yeah, exactly. That was a leading question. I guess I would say if I could be anyone for a day, I guess I'd be one of my nephews. Oh, They're like nice. four and two. So they can do anything they want, and they're taking naps and like eating chicken fingers and pizza. Not a care in the world right now. Now the actual final question here, John. What is one piece of advice would you give someone listening to the podcast right now? It can be a hypothetical, philosophical piece of advice. It could be, sure. remember, eat your greens. Great life advice just in general. But what uh, what piece of advice would you give uh, the listeners out here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, just, uh, just be you. You know, don't let professionalism suffocate your personality. There's just too much good that can come from you just being your authentic self. And, uh... Yeah, unapologetic about it. Cool. Yeah, man. But this well, was awesome. No, thank you very much for uh, for coming down today, and I really appreciate the the time and and banter as always. Best of luck with uh, with the Green Apple Podcast. Best of luck with future ten by ten conference right. <laughs> speeches that you that you do. But it all pays the same, man. It all pays the same. Exactly. But, uh, it doesn't matter, big or small. Look forward to uh, catching up when you're uh, when you're back in the Bay Area. 
Definitely. This was so much fun, Lucas. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Just enough time to get motivated this week. The motivational message comes from another individual who has a great affinity for apples. Well, maybe not apples plural, but in the singular form. The co-founder of Apple, Mr. Steve Jobs. Now, Steve was a polarizing figure. I can admit that. But he did bring a strong entrepreneurial spirit, revolutionized an industry with the creation of the iPhone. One of his quotes stuck out at me when reading some articles about him. And it goes a little something like this. Your time is limited, so don't waste it. Living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your inner voice. And most importantly, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Now, I don't know if all of my messages are inherently focused on boosting the individual spirit. I guess I'm just drawn to those types of messages, and this is another example of that. But I really want you, the listener, and everyone to just not allow others to hold us down and stop comparing ourselves to other people. Yes, I know it's easier said than done, but if you can focus on what you can control, which is yourself, it will make any situation that you're tackling just a little bit easier. And if you don't believe me, just try it and tweet me your thoughts. You can disagree, but just try it before you make judgment. That is our show for this week. Thank you to our sponsor, Vitamix, and thank you to John Garrett for coming on the show to chat. Remember, you can listen to John each week on his own podcast, The Green Apple Podcast. You can subscribe through iTunes and Stitcher, just like this wonderful recording. Highly recommend John's podcast. See how everyday professionals are standing out through their hidden talents. I will be back next week, and I will give you a hint of what we're talking about. Until then, take care, talk soon, and God bless.